For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Shut up and sit down. Hey, this is Coach Lundy with another episode of Fourth Down Focus. Before we get going today, I'm going to read a mention from our sponsor, betonline.ag. The NFL season is in full swing, and you might not be at the game this year, but you can most certainly be in on the action at Bet Online. From a game spread to a point total to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager now than any other place online. And there is always the online casino as well. It never closes. So head to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great signing bonuses. Again, that's betonline.ag and sign up today. Our guest today is Zach Hirsch. Zach also goes by Mystic Zach, and he runs a website called ipickwins.com. It is the most accurate sports handicapping service in the world in 2019. Zach's a young man that is an expert in football, MMA, boxing, and tennis. In preparation for where he has come and where he's going, he has attended the MIT Sloan Sports Analytics Conference. He was enrolled in Harvard University's Entrepreneurial Essentials Program, and currently he attends Lynn University on scholarship. Whew, that is a, that's quite the resume, Zach. How are you doing, man? I'm doing great. It's a beautiful day. And uh, I'm getting to, getting to watch some good football too, so always good. Yeah, it was a it was a good day of football yesterday. The uh, the night game didn't prove to be so so interesting, but you know I was on the good side of that bet with a good buddy of mine, uh, Zach. I want you to tell us you know a brief story. I know I mentioned a couple things. You know you were the number one sports handicapper in the entire world in 2019. But I don't think people realize how young you are and what you've done at such a young age. So could you start us off with? you know, currently how old you are, when you got into sports, you know, and, and, and where it's transitioned and where you plan on going with it. Yeah, so right now I'm only 18. I'm in my freshman year of college. When I started IPIC Wins, I was 17. So obviously a very young start. I mean, I was too young to even legally gamble online. And uh, since then, I've been, I, uh, been making my sports handicapping picks. And that's something that's been a passion of mine. So I was very young. I've always loved to make picks and make predictions and things like that. Even when I was little, we would do football picks in my family and we would try to compete to see who could get the most picks right for a given week. And uh, I've always loved stats, of course. Like even when I was younger, I would study every stat, try to remember who was top five in everything from QBR to pass rating to passing yards to rushing yards. I love Madden. I would check out every uh, overall rating, every stat, everything like that. It's always been, it's always been my, my favorite passion, you know, since I was very young. Uh, we talked last week. I always do a pre-recording show with my guests, and you mentioned that your your mind it, it's it's photographic. Could you elaborate a little bit as to I I would assume that kind of helps you manage and maintain and sift through and sort this data effectively to make good decisions on predictions and forecasts of who in fact will win Saturday's game in a in an inclement weather because the forecast is twenty mile per hour gust and we might get a little snow. I imagine you take all of these variables into consideration, and I, I think you do a lot of it in your head. And I, I'd love to hear your process a little bit about that. 
Yeah, and you're exactly right. A lot of it is in my head, especially for like the boxing and stuff. So I can remember the last 10 fights or so, exactly what happened, exactly when and where. So it's not too much of a film study for me. It's not too much uh, extra research. And yeah, the, the weather and stuff is definitely a big factor. I mean, last week I recorded a prediction video and I was going to post it on a Thursday. And then I, was, I checked the weather and it was looking bad. I just, I never posted it. So, you know, stuff like that happens all the time. And obviously every little variable has to come into consideration. And that's including coaching. That's including every phase of football, the weather. And especially now with COVID-19, it seems like players are dropping like flies on certain teams. So it's, it's definitely a tricky year to predict, but it's still one of my favorite things to do. That's interesting. You know, it really is. It's, it's a gift and it's neat that you've identified it. I think a lot of people are scared to, to do things that they do innately well. And I think sometimes it, like when you find that yourself or, you know, they, some people say it's God given, others say it's just, you know, I'm a natural, what, whatever that is, is usually an indicator that you, you might want to flirt with doing it more um, because it is a gift. Or however you want to look at it, like you do things, you do things well, do them often. So you get better at doing them. I wanted to talk about the NFL in particular. Uh, our show, obviously, Fourth Down Focus, we, it revolves entirely around the game of, of special teams, uh, you know, that third of the game, if you will, kickers, punters, snappers, guys that run at the gunner position, PRs, all sorts of those things and the scheme behind it. Things have changed drastically, you know, and I wanted to talk about three in particular, some rule changes that have happened in, in the recent years. The extra point used to be a gimme, almost like a 99.7 percentile. It was going to be a a sure point. And then, you know, in recent years, they moved it to 33 yards and it's proven to be about a 5% differential makes things a little more interesting. People actually do miss these reps occasionally. Uh, in addition to that, the kickoff, you know, there's been several adjustments to kickoff, you know, the 35 yard line was new a couple of years ago, the ability now to take a knee uh, anywhere on the field. If you feel like you just want to start at the 25 um, limiting the starting get off for the kickoff, uh, the 10 guys outside of the kicker, uh, gets them down the field slower, so it does invite the returning component to to be a little more involved in in the game. Uh, I wanted your your take on these seemingly subtle adjustments to uh, to the game of football. It, it does play a major impact when you're determining a winner and a loser in a game that's you know decided by less than a point. Correct? Yeah, for sure. And uh, when I hear you talk about the rule changes, it just reminds me of the South Park episode, Sarcastical. <laughs> or the parents are the parents are so upset they removed the kickoff for safety reasons, and uh, it seems like that's kind of the direction they might be going eventually. It just each time they go one step further, like trying to eliminate certain things on special teams, obviously for the player safety, and I mean it just eliminates advantages of taking out kicks. You know, it just entirely. And then the onside kick game, if your team's down late, I mean, yeah, if your team's down late and you go for an onside kick. It's a very low percentage now. I mean, it's very low. I mean, the Cowboys were able to get the uh, the watermelon punt with the John Fassel in them. But, I mean, if the Falcons guy just goes down at the seven-yard mark, you're allowed to do that. You're allowed to touch more than yards. I don't know if they knew that or they were scared to touch it or what. I don't know exactly what happened. But it's just very rare now. And there's less room for error and just more – it's more status quo now. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think that – if we're going to weigh which one has had the most effect, I think you're right. The onside kick, and I don't know if the average listener would know this, but for years, the technique that was taught to me and, and after me, it was, you know, you hit it as hard as you can, it being the ball uh, once. So it bounces almost like a jump ball at the numbers near the sideline, right? So you have four guys on either team that are recklessly going 
climbing over each other, trying to get that ball at its highest point. And then here's where the safety issue came in. It's actually on the way down. Uh, they found that the people, you know, who were the highest up in the, in the pyramid of things in that situation, when they were coming down, they were breaking the tib fib. They were having compound fractures a lot of the injuries that were occurring in the NFL were happening near the very end of the game and more specifically in the onside situation. So it's fascinating because they take that one bounce rule away and now the mandate is it must take at least two. It obviously doesn't cause or create a jump ball situation like it used to. So people are grounded, people are a little safer, um, but it also hurts that team that's trailing, right? It doesn't give them nearly the percentage of a chance in coming back. And I think that's a huge issue on someone like you who wants to forecast a winner or a loser. So you have to take this into consideration. You know, um, if, if a team has a tendency to own the lead or have the lead late, I think the, those teams are securing those leads more than they used to because of the onside rule. The purpose of my show is to enlighten people as to the importance and significance of special teams and what impact it has had in the game. So the NFL is a standard. I think we're all in agreement is that it is the number one uh, football league in the world. And it's most definitely the highest level in our country. And you're seeing leaders in this, in this league, uh, head coaches, most specifically, they were former special teams coaches. Joe judge is the, the first guy to come to mind. Cause he's most recent. The head coach now of the New York giants was in fact, Bill Belichick special teams coach for eight years in new England. And he had a huge impact on, on their win total. Um, he was a difference maker often. Can you, can you kind of explain and, uh, that trend? Because uh, you've got the John Harbaugh's, and I'm going to name another name in a second that you and I both know, but most people probably didn't. But can, do you think this trend is going to move more in that direction where, you know, your fossil, the special teams coordinator for the, for the Cowboys, is he going to be a head coach soon? And, and why? Yeah, I think, I think it's a trend that will continue. And I think the Joe Judge thing really enlightened people because there was a lot of established coaches in that kind of coaching search. I mean, they probably could have gone with a Matt Rule, who's obviously been very successful with the Panthers. He had a history of rebuilding programs with Baylor and Temple, and that they went with Joe Judge, former special teams coach. But I think if you're going to go special teams coach, it's definitely a good idea to go with Bill Belichick's guy because obviously the Patriots are always a standard for special teams and just doing the little things right. They've always been able to do that. And obviously, John Harbaugh for the Ravens, he's one of the best coaches in the NFL. And I think coming from the special teams area, it just makes you more aware of the little details of football, which is obviously so important for a head coach. And you need to get every minute thing right. And that's how you become a Super Bowl champion. And we've seen Harbaugh do that. And uh, maybe we'll see Joe Judge do that. But I think it's definitely a way of the future. And I think special teams is a good indication of how good a coach you really are. Absolutely. And I don't... I you and I talked last week and people don't know that you are also a Miami hurricane fan. You're actually, you reside in South Florida. So it makes perfect sense. And, and you have good taste. I agree with you on that one, but I was mentioning to you that Chuck Pagano, I know that's a household name now, but he was in, at the time he was a special teams coach and he, and he worked with the DBs. He was earning his keep, you know, he was proving himself and he, he was in fact a special teams background guy. He took a lot of pride in it. More specifically with me, it was, it was kickoff. You know, he was, he was my coach. He, he knew tendencies. Hey, you know, we're, we're expecting, you know, a, a crosswind in Boston and their guy that plays deep right on their K, KR unit is, is he's, a, he's a monster. So we, we practice all sorts of like skies and squibs and just 
uh, things that you wouldn't probably expect in a particular part of a game just because he felt like just keep them on their toes and definitely do not let their most impactful players make an impact. Um, so I learned a lot from Coach Pagano, and I imagine that he placed a huge emphasis on special teams when he was head coaching the Colts. Um, and he had some goats there. He had Pat McAfee. He had Adam Vinatieri. So he he's always been around some great specialists, and I think he had a lot of control in that in that personnel. So another question I have for you, uh, talking about the NFL, because th- those windows are a lot t- you know smaller. I, everyone knows it's just if it is a game of injuries, it's most definitely at that level. Uh, what percentage of special teams do you take in a, in a in a preparation for forecasting a game? You know, if you're the best in the world, I would imagine it would be more than 10% of your time is spent on, hey, well, who's going to win fourth down? Who's going to win a battle of field position? Could you talk us through that a little bit, um, perhaps something that we, we may not know or think about when, in relation to special teams? Yeah, and, uh, if a team has a solid special team, it definitely makes you feel a lot more comfortable picking them because there's less room for error, right? Like uh, you see all the time. I mean, some teams can really create a plus deficit with special teams. Like you saw Dallas yesterday, they, uh, they lateraled. On the punt return, they almost turned it for a touchdown. Like, things like that are obviously a huge bonus. The, the Panthers punter, he threw a great pass for about 30 yards because he just saw that it was wide open, you know. So certain teams that can pick up on tendencies like that are really definitely getting an addition to me when I'm picking a game. And certain teams are just so lousy on special teams, right? Like, every week they seem to have some sort of mishap, whether there's 10 guys in the field or their kickoff fielding is just terrible or the kicker's no good. I mean, you see that type of thing all the time. So I think – having a solid punter, kicker, and just having a coach that's aware of their tendencies and is able to keep them on their toes and really establish when to go for a fake and when not to. Because some teams go too far and they go for crazy fakes in their own territory and they don't even come close to working. So you see that all the time. I think it's very important. Sometimes it can be up to 33%. Obviously, special teams is a third, you know, offense, defense, special teams. And uh, especially like last year, I'll give you a good example the New England Patriots played the Dallas Cowboys. And in my opinion, the Patriots had probably the league's best special teams and the Cowboys had the league's worst. And, uh, you know, I think the Patriots were favored, but I was like, man, on paper, their talent kind of stacks up. But when you saw that game, when Canada special teams, the Patriots blocked the punt, turned it for a touchdown, that wins them the game. So you get stuff like that all the time. And uh, there's a, sometimes there's just a big special teams mismatch that you definitely have to take into account. Yeah, I mean, I... I said on the show previously that, you know, on a stat line, if you look at a game that had occurred maybe the day before, if you see on the stat line that, let's say, for example, the Cowboys had a punt blocked, that team that relinquishes a punt block loses 80% of the times they've played in the history of college football. So to say that, you know, we gave up one only one block kick, you know, yesterday – 80% of the time. So it's most definitely something you can't sleep on. Uh, in, in addition to that, I think that a, a punter in today's game is a defensive coordinator's best friend because you're talking about the battle of field position. You know, you, you could be stagnant on offense, you know, and, and giving the ball away 30 yard as a line of scrimmage. But if you have a good punter that has a 50 yard net, 45 yard net that day on six to eight reps, you're then making them go 80 yards to 90 yards, regardless of how ineffective you're on offense. So um, I think these things are most definitely things that people like you consider because you must, if you ignore these things, I can't imagine your stat line uh, being very good as a, as a, an expert in advising people on who's going to win and lose on Sunday. 
when we talked last week, I, I, you know, I had to ask you, you know, who, who do you think's the standard? You know, who, who is in fact the best in the world at the moment or in the last few years, who's proven to be like these dynamic, impactful players in your mind? And you named three that I have to agree with you on. Justin Tucker, kicker for the Ravens. Johnny Hecker, the punter for the Rams. And lastly, Cordell Patterson, kick returner, punt returner. Why do you think they are impactful? Do you think they share a common trait uh, in the execution of what it is they do? What stands out to you? Because I, I love hearing it from someone who's not a special teams nerd like myself, but, you know, uh, call yourself a third person here, perspective looking in what stands out to you because there's some, there's some good specialists now, but I kind of agree with you on the, the, this panel. It's hard to argue. I think these guys are great, but wh why do you think they're great? Oh uh, yeah. So I think each one is their own thing uniquely. Right. So I saw Justin Tucker goes, especially as a sports handicapper, he makes me feel so much better. I mean, when, when they get by the 43 and the, like once they're there, I'm like, all right, three points. Justin Tucker is the most accurate kicker in NFL history. I think that gets lost. <clears throat> there's a, I mean, there's probably a pretty good chance he's a potential Hall of Famer. He was the kicker on a Super Bowl team. His accuracy is so insane. He's got such a big leg. He can really make it from 63 and under pretty safely. I, we haven't seen him, you know, attempt more too much, but maybe one day he will break the record. And then Johnny Hacker, he's super unique. He knows every technique there is. We saw him do a watermelon punt a couple weeks ago. I mean, every single time he just – He's doing something unique. He always knows exactly where to put it. I know if he was going up against a guy like a Devin Hester, he would know how to put it out of bounds, which a lot of punters did not know. You know, we've seen Steve Weatherford in the past. He punted it right to Deshaun Jackson. You're turning for a touchdown. I don't think you get that with Johnny Hecker. I think he knows exactly what their threat is, exactly where to punt it, exact, you know, where to put it. He can do coffin punts. There's just so many great things he can do and so many unique things he can do that he's learned, obviously, has worked very hard on. And then Cordell Patterson. He's a big dude, but he's really quick. I mean, he's got, he's got a really unique body type. And he's, like you said earlier about Devin Hester's ability to manipulate space, he's got that. You know, he's, he's able to manipulate space, and he's able to know exactly where to go. And his vision's very good. He knows where his blockers are. And even though sometimes he looks a little bit slower than you would think, he's going really fast. And he's a really big guy. I mean, he's kind of a freak of nature. You see why he was such a highly touted prospect coming out of Tennessee and why he was a high pick. Obviously, he hasn't been as good on the receiver side of things, but they work him in a running back because his vision is so good, and he's able to just manipulate space and just really find the open hole. It sounds like, you know, simply put, that uh, these guys seem prepared to you, right, prepared for the moment. Um, it, it seems like your expectations of them are pretty clear-cut because of the history. You know, they're consistent, and they, and they seem to be executing, even though they don't always do it the same way, like Johnny Hecker, for example. Sounds like he was prepared for that moment. Sounds like he didn't want to give a clean ball to the PR that he was punting to that day. Sounds like he wanted that kid to just stay away from it. And he did. He did his job. So, no, it's fascinating because you, you really have to. You know, you have to be able to talk at length about all facets of the game of football if you're going to predict and forecast uh, the right outcome. And you do often. So I'm very impressed with that. And I would say all time uh, – we talked about all timers, not just like in recent recent years, but uh, Devin Hester. I think uh, you and I both will agree on one specialist that at one position, the punt return position, he may in fact be the best. And I don't think it's much to argue about um, in, in the history of what he's done, especially in the situations he did them in. And I think that started obviously at the U at Miami. You know, he played a year behind me. So I graduated uh, high school in 2000. 
Devin Hester was a 2001 grad from Suncoast in the southwest part of Florida. Uh, he came to us as a dynamic, you know, three-sport athlete, All-American in three different sports, track being one of them. So he was fast. He was dangerous. Um, and he was a very, very – he had very good ball skills on both sides of the ball in high school too. He played offense and defense. Um, but I think that what he realized really quickly with a mentor like Ed Reed, who was also a punt returner, who was a senior when I was a, a freshman – mentored Devin um, and quickly Devin became better than, than Ed at a skill set that Ed was one of the best in the world at. And I wanted to share with the audience and what we talked about last week was these guys drew parallels to baseball, right? Uh, center fielders, if you will, when they find that ball at its highest point and kind of forecast where that ball is going to fall, there's a unique skill set there that only comes over time and, and doing it, you know? So I used to go out often before practice and give them sky kicks and just all sorts of like ugly reps, even like ugly squibs. They wanted to predict the bounce on a squib kick so it didn't go past them and they could attack it with space because if it rolls correctly, you've got 20 yards of space if you, if you field that squib right. So all those things I learned, how, like how small the smallest of details can be the biggest when determining who's going to win and lose that situation. So Devin Hester, could you uh, share with me a little bit about boxing? I want you to draw the parallel with, with the audience of your boxing experience and how you immersed yourself in a boxing, like he kind of put himself in the center fielder's shoes mentally. Could you explain to the audience what, what it is I'm talking about? Yeah, so um, the, the baseball comparison is really good. And now when you see a center fielder, obviously they have to track it and then throw it. And in Devin Hester's case, when he tracks it, he's got to run with it and really find the open lane. And, uh, you know, putting yourself in someone else's shoes is something that I've had to do with boxing. And I've recently um, started doing commentating for Impact Network. And I've been doing the post fight interviews and everything. And a big part of that is analyzing what's going on in the fight and coming up with an impactful question to the fighter that makes sense that the audience would want to know. And uh, in order for me to do that, I started to box myself and spar and really get an idea of how the sweet science works, you know, in the, in the ring and uh, how effective every punch is and how where you should keep your head and things like that and obviously you don't really get to know unless you're doing it yourself you know you can do as much as you possibly can while watching but you'll never really know until you feel that consequence of getting hit in the face and uh that's something Devin Hester is obviously thinking about a lot and Devin Hester man is just so special because he has the most punt returns ever touchdowns ever right but no one was punting to him I mean can you imagine if he got as many punts you know towards him as a normal person he would have ran away with it so hard that it would have just been so, so ridiculous. And even still, I think he's a Hall of Famer just because of his impact. I, I've never seen someone strike so much fear into an opposing player as he did towards punters. I mean, if you're an opposing team and your favorite punter gives it, punts it into Devin Esther's hands, man, you're so scared. Even if they're all on top of him, you're scared. He's going to somehow break through. I mean, if you look at his highlights – You'll see he was getting so many in the beginning of his career, and obviously he had a huge one in the Super Bowl, which was a kick return. But then for years, he doesn't get any because everyone's just so terrified they just punt it straight out of bounds. They're like, nope, nope, not doing that again. So uh, I think teams learn from their mistakes. And Devin Hesterman, so special. You know, first guy to ever get that 100 speed rating in Madden, too. So uh, <laughs> very fast. And I think his best trait was just his vision. Absolutely. He, he was looking two and three levels ahead and we talked about manipulating space two or three times in the show but he 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 knew what the end result was you know he knew if i start here at a and manipulate them at b i can attack c to get to that final level at d and then still have enough space to beat the punter 
and it, and it happened after the punt was punted. So that doesn't just occur. I think that comes over time. It comes through. And I always like to say that it comes through failure. You know, I can think of countless times that I saw him not do something very well, but it was only a matter of time before that the, the comfort set in. And, you know, I know where to be now. Uh, I, I know where to attack now. Um, and I'm going to be open-minded and I'm going to take coaching. He took coaching very well. Uh, on that note, you also have prepared with a college program um, for a duration of time and the FAU Owls. And I think that that may have been a catalyst too of what brought you even further along in your football exploration and, uh, you know, your knowledge of the game is, could you share with us a little bit about that experience too? Yeah. So I got the privilege to be kind of like the assistant receivers coach at a FAU football for summer. And uh, the next year they won their conference a very good year. So I don't want to take all the credit, but <laughs> definitely a big part of it. And uh, I think that was just a great experience especially for someone so young. And I got to be in the film room. I got to look over the all 22 tape. I got to meet with all the receivers, you know, talk about different formations, things like that. And I got to get a big sneak peek at Lane Kiffin's playbook. I mean, Lane Kiffin, man, is one of the, the most like famous, you know, uh, offensive play callers there is. He's obviously got a, great great playbook and he's been able to have so much success everywhere he's gone as far as calling plays goes I think that was such a good experience for me to really learn about the ins and outs of the wide receivers position and I and I was really a student of the game and I was asking as many questions as I could especially as relation to the NFL because that's what I pick most of the time it's my number one thing so I think I got to learn a lot about the ins and outs of the wide receiver position and really get to evaluate it better and the, the one thing I really came away with it is that separation is king and uh, that's still the number one thing I look for. I'm looking at a wide receiver is just separation because it just limits your margin for error when you can get separation. You know, any quarterback can hit a wide open receiver. You know, it's that you have some guys who are so great at the jump ball that they can do that only. You know, they can just box out and they're fantastic at it. You get a guy like a Mike Evans, right? But then I prefer the Stephon Diggs of the world and the Mari Coopers of the world who can create five yards of separation on a post route. You know, it just – that their route running is so refined and they're just so quick in and out of their breaks. And uh, that's something I was only able to learn through being assistant wide receivers coach at a top college football program. I think that's what I like about football. I like your point. Um, and what I'm going with is you don't have to be prototypical by any stretch of the imagination in basketball. You know, if you're under six, three, six, four as a guard, even you're short now. You know, you're probably, unless you're a, a phenomenal, gifted basketball player, you're probably not going to play at the highest levels. Whereas in football, you could have a 5'10 slot receiver who weighs a buck 70, but he's elusive. He's a great route runner. He's sure-handed. He's durable. And, and he has a place in the game. You know, you, you look at guys like Darren Sproles. He's a trendsetter. I think every team aspires to get one now just because he's short. You can't see him behind the line of scrimmage. He, he, get, he attacks that five yards of space. For, he's there first. And if I can give him the ball first and he's got enough room, he's, he's dangerous. You know, he's very shifty. So I, I, I love football for that. There's really no rhyme or reason when you really look at the people that make it because there's outliers all across the board on Sundays, right? These guys aren't just 6'4", 250. And I think that's, that's awesome. And I think speed does kill. So on that note, Zach, I, I just want to commend you for, for your efforts to yourself at this point in life. I think that it's rare to see anyone do things as, 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 as you have, you know, like make a name for yourself. 
uh, be the best at something um, in the world and find a niche. Um, and I, I hope that that motivates you to, to work even harder. And, and I think it will because people like you don't experience success without all this summer internship here and uh, starting school early and, you know, taking a, an abundance of credits to finish quicker because you have a goal in mind. And I think it's wonderful. I think you set a good example for people that are your age um, that, yeah, you're going to have to make sacrifices now, but those sacrifices will pay off later. So I, I do want to thank you for your time today. Yeah, I really appreciate it. It was, a, it was an honor to be on this podcast. And uh, it was a really fun one for me because when, uh, when my uh, PR guy came to me, he was like, it's a special teams podcast. Like, are you interested in that? I'm like, I love special teams. <laughs> so uh, definitely a, a fun one for me. And, uh, you know, if, if you get to watch some football games with me, you have no idea how much I scream about special teams. So it's definitely a, a fun thing for me to talk about. I like you even more. Uh, I, I do always finish by, I want to make certain that the listeners know how to get a hold of you. If you could just share the, the, the easiest ways to get a hold of the mystic Zach. Yeah, so you can find me at it on Instagram at IPickWins. And you can find me on my website, www.ipickwins.com. That's where you'll find me the most. Yeah, and I'll, I'll, and I'll be sure to share the show on and, and brag about you a little bit this week. But just want to thank my audience for yet again just diving in deep on this third of the, the game, and, and as we bring in guys like Zach, who kind of share the analytics side, and and how I rely on him fully to to see what it is that I need to place the most value in when I instruct these kickers, punters, snappers, and coaches. But my name is Coach Lundy. I'm the founder of Fourth Down Focus. I also have a company called Fourth Down University. The website for that is 4thdownu. That's fourthdownu.com. You can also find us at the Fourth Down U handle on Twitter and Instagram. Enjoy the show, and I look forward to talking to you guys, seeing you guys again real soon. Take care. Bye. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.